Hebrews chapter 12, let's start with verse 1. Hebrews 12, starting with verse 1, it says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. Lord, we thank you for your word as is read this morning. God, thank you for this group of believers who are here in this, in this first service. God, what a blessing it is that we are still able to meet under such crazy times in our nation. Lord, we're reminded today of how good you are. God, I thank you for the, the 18 people we've been studying over the last several weeks. God, those 18 people lived by faith. How, how, how great a witness that is to us today. Lord, help us to, to continue to walk in our faith, to continue to grow in our faith. Lord, help us to look to Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. In your most holy name, amen. You know, guys, as we're looking at this, I think if we were to maybe title the sermon, I'm not a big person who titles sermons. Uh, my titles are normally just the date. If you look in my, my notes, it's just date. I don't really throw titles out there. I used to do that, and, and, and every now and then I will. I'll have a series name or something. But, but, but this, if I was to title this sermon, <clears throat> I would call it Consider the Founder. Because, you know, through all of this, we're reading about all these great people. And, and I could probably go around here and ask, well, what, what was your, person, your favorite person of faith that we read about in chapter 11? I think everyone's going to have different, different answers. They like Sarah, they like Abraham, they like Barak, they like uh, Joshua. All these names we talked about, their stories, their testimonies. We would all probably have different, different favorites. But in chapter 12, it leads right into, okay, you've heard about these people, now let's consider Jesus. He's, he's the author and perfecter of these faiths you just read about. It's a callback to reality that, that a testimony is powerful, Amen. A testimony is something good. We, we like to hear testimony. Testimonies give like a proof to us of what God has done in other people's lives, and it encourages us in our own life. But back to chapter 12, he says, you know, we need to consider Christ, to consider who he is, to consider what he has done. These 18 people of faith that are mentioned in Hebrews 11, they are mentioned in order to bring glory to God, not to themselves. They're, they're in order, that, that's why they're there. I mentioned earlier during the, the prayer time, Harry Dodd, I, I loved that man, and I, I kind of came on um, later on in the False Creek history. Um, Harry had already kind of re retired, but he was, he was at camp every year. You always saw him, and they had these really cool shirts. I kind of hope they bring them back. They had these shirts that says, 
uh, what is a Harry Dodd? <laughs> and it said Harry, like Harry, but they had marked it out and put another R. It was just a cool shirt. I, I, I wish I had one. But Harry Dodd was a man who, who dedicated his life to, to proclaiming the gospel. He was a pastor. He, he worked, of course, with False Creek and, and, and really made False Creek what it is today. A lot of the, the things that we enjoy now when we go to that place are because of the work he did. The work he did is, is, is for time and for eternity. It's not ended. And today he's with his, his Father in heaven. When I think about Harry Dodd, I could say, man, what a great man he was. And he, he'd always, you know, he was up in age even when I knew him. And you'd see this, this old guy being driven around in a golf cart, you know. And everybody's like, Harry Dodd! You know, he's like yelling at him and things like that. Um, he was a pretty cool old man. But at the end of the day, the glory was brought to God. The glory was brought to, to God by what Harry lived, and that was faith. You know, these, these examples of faith, I could give you a, a million more. We, you know, we, could, we could talk about Brother Jerry, who was, you know, the pastor before me. What, what a great man of God he was. What a great mentor to me. But, you know, his life was, was lived in such a way that it was, it was by faith. It was by faith. He even came back and gave poor him a second chance, didn't he? What a great man of God. But when you're looking through this, this passage and you get to chapter 12 you are reminded of what this is truly all about. It's more than just stories of people. The Bible is truly a story about this God who loves us. And by faith, we're able to get through anything that comes our way. The, the mention of these saints in, in chapter 11, it's, it's not for their glory, but it's for the glory of God. And this idea that the writer gives us here of these people looking down, it says that we're surrounded by this great cloud of witnesses. We get this picture, I, I, and I know a lot of people get this, and I don't know that Bible, the Bible is really saying that people in heaven can see down on us. I don't think it really says that here. There's not a lot of evidence. It just says that there's a lot of people who have gone on before. And I know for a lot of us it's comforting to think, oh, so-and-so is looking down on me from heaven. And I see that all the time. Well, the Bible doesn't actually ever say that anywhere. What we're reading here is that it, it actually it's this idea that the people are... are, are are living in the same faith that you and I are living in. That we're surrounded by this great cloud of witnesses. And no doubt, just like you guys were probably overwhelmed with chapter 11 and y'all were ready to move on, um, the writer here, I mean, he spends a whole chapter talking about the testimonies of people. And, and he's, he's just sitting, he, he makes the point, and I think we can draw from the point too because we were in chapter 11 for so long, the very fact that there's a whole lot of people who have lived by faith. And we're surrounded by that. Get that picture in your head when the Greeks and even uh, uh, the, the other people at the time when they would use the idea of cloud, it meant a large group. So we're surrounded by this large number of people who have also walked with God by faith. This, this idea that, that they're looking down on us, I'm not so sure about that. And some of y'all say, well, why... What's wrong with people looking down on us? Well, here's the thing. I, there's, here's my catching point. When I think about if people from heaven can see me, what, what kind of catches me is that in people that are in heaven, they're in complete happiness and bliss, are they not? Well, actually, we know in Scripture that they're worshiping God. That that's the focal point. It's not earth and, you know, it's, it's not people. It's not us. 
You know, can they see us? Maybe. Maybe the joy of heaven overcomes the, the pain of looking on earth. Maybe that's the case. I don't know. But, but I think for me, uh, again, it's just like when we're reading Scripture, Scripture is not about us. It helps us, but it's not about us. Heaven is going to be great, and it's going to be a happy place, but heaven is not about us. It's about glorifying God. And the only way we can get there is through faith in Jesus Christ as our Savior and our Lord. And I don't know, I, I, I think, you know, we can debate whether people from heaven can see us or not. I'm not really drawing a distinction between the two. But, but I think that what's the most important thing here is that these witnesses are giving testimony as to what God did through them. The, the, wit, the idea of witness, it's not that they're witnessing us, but they're, they're giving testimony today. Their lives no doubt you have people in your life who were believers in Jesus and they've gone on before. I have a bunch. People who have passed and gone on. I mean, I look around and it seems like, you know, in the church sometimes you look around and you're like, oh, I can't believe that that person's gone. That they're not here anymore. But by faith we know that, that God, is, God is working in, in great ways in the fact that without Him we are nothing. Without Him we're nothing. This life is broken. I, I hear the, the phrase a lot of times people say, what is wrong with people today? Have you heard that before? <laughs> and I have asked it myself, what is wrong with people? Why, why can't people just be nice to each other? But the thing is, is that we live in a world that is broken. It is. The, the effects of sin, the, the long-term effects of sin, it, it's just taking this world to a place that, that we don't want it to be. We, we've never, I think, aspired to be in a broken world. I, I could think there were probably times in my life when I look back, well, those were good old times, but even then the world was broken. I could say, well, back in the 80s when I was a kid, those were good times. Well, they were probably good times because I was really just kind of a dumb kid. I didn't realize, I realize all the bad stuff that was going on. I, I didn't realize we were this close to going, going to war with other nations, you know, nuclear war with other nations. But it was close. It was close. I, when I was a kid, uh, you know, we had a, an assassination attempt on our own president in our nation. And I don't think we look at, we look today and we think, well, today's is, it's crazier than it's ever been. It's not true. This world's always been that way. It's always been broken since sin entered the picture. It's always been broken. You can even go back to the Old Testament and the very first brothers, one killed the other. <laughs> How many of you have killed your brother? Now, you may have wanted to. Right? You're smiling way too much back there. <laughs> She's wanted to kill her brother, right? <laughs> but what I want you to understand today is that this world has always been broken. Our only hope is through faith, believing in Christ. And so we focus on Jesus, and we must continue in, in, in going that direction, not pulling back in any way. That, that idea of laying aside the weight of sin and the things that get in our way, and, and sin's a big deal in our world. I think we all could agree to that. Sin is huge. It's, sin is, has taken its grasp and its hold here, and, and sin is a terrible thing. But a lot of times we're, we're putting things in our way that we don't necessarily categorize as sin. You know, when, you're, when your kids' activities, when your job, when the politics, when your, your, uh, your idea of what a service should look like or a musical style should sound like or a preaching style should, should be, when those things get in the way of you following Jesus, that's a hindrance as well. 
That's a hindrance as well. I, I literally know people who will not go to church because they, they, they judge everyone in the church and they say they're all hypocrites. Okay, yeah, we're all sinners. No doubt. Come join us because I know you are too. You see what I'm saying? That's a hindrance that gets in that person's way. Or, or, or someone who, who won't go to a, a church because of the worship style. Which I know here at First Baptist, we try to mix it, don't we? I mean, we got all kinds of music, and I, and I think that's great. I think that's a, that's a healthy church, that we just come together and we just worship. We don't really have worship battles here. It's like, man, we're just going to, it doesn't matter if it's on a piano or guitar or, or harpsichord or whatever. <laughs> whatever we're playing that day, which we can do harpsichord on that one. I'll get Josh to do it one these days for us. But the thing is, is what I want us to understand is that without a shadow of a doubt, it is by faith that we live. And anything that gets in your way needs to be shed. You need to get rid of it. To push it to the side and not ever to think about it again. And here we get this picture, he says, to lay aside everything that hinders us. Well, how do we do that? How do we lay aside the stuff that hinders us? You know why stuff hinders you? It's because you value it. You think about it. It's there. But you know what? If there's things in your life that are keeping you from God and you stop valuing it, you stop thinking about it, and you stop having it in your life, it's not going to be in your way anymore. Some of you are like, well, that's pretty simple. Yeah, but that's what he just said. If there's something in your life that hinders you from knowing Jesus, get rid of it. Don't have it there. It could be sin, sure. But I know a lot of people, man, I mean, certain times of the year, they don't go to church because they're too busy. I know life's busy, but don't let it get in the way of you and the Lord. Don't let, don't let it get in the way of you growing closer to God. When, when people value the stuff of this world more than they value the work of God in their life, there's a problem every single time. Well, Daniel, don't say that. That's going to offend them because they value these things. That's what I'm saying. If, if the world is more valuable to you than Christ, then you're not living by faith. You're not living by faith at all. Some of us in here, we got video this week, and I'm, I'm going to share it. I'm going to try to share it on Facebook, and I may try to share it next week in, in services. Well, not next week, but maybe the week after. I'll be too tired next week. But um, anybody want to preach next week, you're more than welcome to, all right? So I don't know. It's going to be rough. But, but I, I'm, I'm thinking about, um, you know, showing this video. Uh, Pastor Samari sent a video of... of some of the money that was donated from our church, and, and we had several of y'all that donated big stuff, and we just kind of, I, I had lunch with, with, uh, with the, the leader a few weeks ago, and, and, and we just talked about the goodness of God, and we're planning for the future, and things like that, and, and uh, he was pretty amazed at how much our church came together and gave money, right? And, you know, Joni and I, we've committed to give to Brother Samari. There's, there's all these people in our, in our church that are committing in those, those ways because we believe in the ministry there. But he sent a video of, of one of the mamas who, because of the giving of this church, we were able to purchase a sewing machine for her. And in the video, she's, she's, she can't even talk. Like, you kind of think she's just, I don't know, she's just kind of standing there looking down. But, but she's, she's overwhelmed. And, and he mentions uh, Purim. <laughs> I had to listen to it a couple times, Ash, and I was like, well, did you say Purim, Purim? Yeah, he, he's got like a, like a French, it's cooler than the way we say it for sure. But, but he, he mentions it, and I, and I thought, you know, we were able to affect the life of a, of a mama on the other side of the world Amen. by faith. 
you, you see what I'm saying? I, I, I'm, not, I'm not one to sit here and, and to ask for money or to ask for support for this, that, or the other. But, you know, when we have our hearts in the right place and God has blessed us with those things, I, I think we're going to see good things happen. Just like you that, that went to camp last week, there's a lot of things you could have done with your time. You cooks, y'all are amazing, by the way. I love y'all. Yeah, we didn't have to worry about being hungry. Like, I never really was hungry. It wasn't like, man, I'm starving to death. My first year at Falls Creek, the best thing those cooks offered me was watermelon and celery. They try to gain weight eating that all week. It's our new plan. It's called the first year Falls Creek plan. I want to lose some weight for this wedding yet. But the thing is, is that what you guys did last week was a powerful thing. You know, Cortland coming from, from his church, he didn't have to do that. But in faith, you know, it wasn't like we were able to give him a million dollars to come down there and lead worship. I'm sure he would have taken it. So many people that give in those types of situations. You, you Alana's workers, you, you people that do Sunday school. And I know all this stuff is not happening right now, but, you know, eventually I'm hoping that things get back to normal to where we can do some things like this again. Pray for a vaccine, amen? <laughs> but in the meantime, I, again, it, we do those things by faith, but in the meantime, how do we live our life now? Do we fall off? I've been trying to call people that I haven't seen around in a little bit. And really, our numbers have stayed pretty good like through all of this. There's, a, there's this crowd. Look around right now. This is a pretty good-sized crowd, isn't it? You will see this again at the 11 o'clock service. Praise God. But, but, I, but in my mind, there's people I know that haven't been coming because of this, that, or the other. And so I, I try to encourage them, you know, call, text, that kind of thing. Um, and through times like this, the way that we survive is through faith. It's through faith. We continue to endure. We, we throw off the stuff that's holding us and, and keeping us back from God. We get rid of that stuff. We don't need that stuff. And if, if you don't make a point in your life to follow Christ, the world's going to give you a, a lot of other stuff to follow. The world's going to put stuff there that you can let get in the way. So we must contend for the faith we must contend for 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 that lifestyle and he, he says to, to throw off all of that stuff and then he gives this picture of running let us endure the race that's a, that's a powerful word if you think about it this idea of endure and, and throwing off weight when, when you run a marathon or you run a half marathon or a 5k or you're just out just going around you don't you don't carry unless you're crazy you don't carry weight when, when i ran the marathon there were these people that do these, these rucksack races. So they've got these big backpacks, like military backpacks with like 30, 40, 50 pounds on their back. And they're running a half or a marathon with that backpack on. That would be rough, wouldn't it? I mean, which would you rather run? Some of you are like, I don't want to run at all. But okay, if given the chance, would you rather run with 50 pounds on your back or nothing on your back? I have one of those fancy little... Uh, uh, a sister in Christ gave it to me. I have one of these fancy little, uh, uh, yeah, I didn't want to say it. But I have one of those fancy little fanny packs. Um, <laughs> it's a manny pack, right? Um, it's, it's tight fitting, you know, you kind of have to, you have to step into it. It's kind of like a girdle. Again, I don't want to talk about this. But, but the thing is, is with it, it's, it's, it's the bare minimum what you need for running. I, I can slide, you know, two little water bottles in the side. It's really, it's great. Oh, my, I've got uh, my Jolly Ranchers or my, my gummies or, you know, my, my power stuff that you, uh, gels and all that that you, that you wear, or if you, that you wear, well, sometimes. But what you eat um, to, to give you energy throughout the race. 
you, you put that in there and it, it's like it's not holding you down. So much of the time, I think as Christians, we're holding on to way too much baggage in this world. There's too much going on. We, we need to lay aside. Why do we need to lay aside so that we can run with endurance? This idea of endurance. I want you guys to hear this Greek word that was used here. It's hupomene. Hupomene. That, that it's, a, it's a word that, that really means um, patience. But not patience like you have with your kids. It's this idea of patience to master all things. Patience to master all things. How many of you guys have patience? Right? Joni recently, uh, she, (laughs) she's like, no, we have no patience. (laughs) We have no patience. But we try to have patience, I think, probably in in, in social settings and so forth. But Joni bought me these these, uh, uh, gift certificates. I'm going to do glass blowing at the Tulsa Glass Blowing School. How cool is that, right? Everybody I tell that, they're like, man, that's that's just different and cool. I was like, yeah, it is. But it's, it's this idea of endurance even with something like that, learning a craft, right? You have to want to. You have to make time for it. And with our Christian faith, you're going to have to make time for throwing off the stuff and run with endurance and learn to master what God has given you. To master the things that have come against you. The, the, again, this idea of endurance, of patience. It's not just patience as in, well, I'm just going to sit here in my pew patiently until Jesus returns. That's a lot of people's idea of Christian faith. But guys, I want to tell you, that's not Christian faith. It, it's the idea that you are patiently working towards mastering all things. You can either become the master of your life, and you guys understand what I'm saying here. By being a master of your life, you're allowing Christ to be your master. Okay, everybody hear that. I'm not talking self-help here. But you're going to have to say with your life, God, I want you to be the master of my life. Be the master in the sense that, God, I want you to be the boss. I want you to be the leader. I want you to be the patron. I want you to be that person in my life. I want you to, I want you to stand in, in my stead and be the leader by faith. By faith. The only way we can run this race is to throw off the stuff that doesn't matter, take on the stuff that does matter, run with endurance, run with this idea that we're going to master all things. When you're looking at this, this idea that, that of who Jesus is, who is Jesus? Well, Jesus is, he's, he's the king of the universe, is he not? He's the king of, of all things. And so we look to him, the, the author and perfecter of our faith. Uh, these people that we were reading about last week, they were, they were good people. But who actually did the work in their life? It was Jesus or God, right? It was, that's, that's who we're talking about here. He's the author and perfecter. He's the one that's written the story and he makes us perfect. Some of you are like, well, I'm not perfect. Not yet, but one day. One day we will all be made perfect. It's not happened yet. Don't, don't, don't get high heads about yourself. Well, I'm perfect. No, you're not. There's none of us that are even good, much less perfect. But Jesus, who is this Jesus, this idea of, of who he is? You know, we're, we're, we're called in this chapter, in this first part, to shift our focus onto the author and the perfecter. This, this idea of who Jesus is, he's the founder of our faith. Without Christ, there is no faith. Without Christ, there is no perfection of given faith. It wouldn't even be given. <laughs> because he founded it at the cross of Calvary, we're able to acquire faith from him. 
as a gift. And because of that, we're able to, to perfect the life that he's given us. And it won't happen in, in your lifetime, understand. I'm not saying you're going to reach you know, a certain age and, all. well, I'm perfect now. But as we're walking through this and we're, we're, we're reminded of who Jesus is, guys, live that. Walk by faith. Christ is the founder. Christ is the redeemer. Christ is the exalted. Christ is the perfecter. Christ is the great endurer. Now, we were just told to do what in our race? To endure. Why is that? Well, the reason is because Christ has already set the example as to what it should look like. We never see Christ falter one time. Now you and I, we will falter because we're human, right? We don't have that part of us to be perfect yet. We still have the human nature that's, that's warring with the, with, with the, the born-again nature of who we are. It's warring there. There's a war going on within us. And so we must put aside the human side, right? We must put aside the, the things that are holding us back. We put aside the sin, the, the things that are in the way. We must remember who Christ is, who he is in our lives matters. The definition of Christ matters. Whenever I debate with someone or talk with someone of a different faith or someone who's just missing the point in Christianity, I always ask them this one question. Define who Jesus is. Because someone can tell me, well, I'm a Jehovah's Witness. I'm, you know, I'm a Mormon. I'm a, I'm a Buddhist. I'm an agnostic. But when someone tells you the definition of who Christ is, that really gives you a better picture of where they're at spiritually. Even within the church, someone says, well, I'm a Christian. Define Jesus. Define Jesus. If you just say, well, he was, you know, some hippie. He was just some guy that, you know, was a historical figure, or a religious figure. It's deeper than that, isn't it? Your, your picture of who Christ is there's, I have a lot of Christian friends who I'm not necessarily, we have a lot in common with, but when we talk about Jesus, it's good. Because we all have the same definition of who Christ is. Christ is that great redeemer. He is that founder. He's that author and finisher of our faith. That's who Christ is. What he did on the cross. What he did while he lived here. What he's doing right now. You understand that Christ is exalted today? The Bible teaches us that he's at the hand, the right hand of the Father. And he does something for you and I today. He doesn't have to do this. But he says he's interceding for us today at the Father's right hand. Never think that you're in this world alone. People may falter, falter, fault you. They may, they may do things against you. They may, they may not be there for you. Life situations may change and now it just seems unbearable. But never forget that Jesus is at the right hand of the Father thinking and talking about you. How does that make you feel? To know that today... That Jesus is thinking about me. He's talking about me. You see, the idea, and this is why I don't get into it, the idea of people from heaven looking down on us doesn't mean as much when I think that Jesus is talking about me right now. That Jesus is he's, he's thinking about me and he's working things out for me right now at the Father's right hand. He's interceding for Daniel right now. It, it doesn't mean as much that if my dad was able to look down at me or my grandparents. You see what I'm saying? It's, it doesn't mean as much when I think about the king of the universe is thinking about me right now. Throw off that stuff, this new age thought of, of what it means. I mean, I think, there, I think when, when this world... You know, our time ends and, and, and we get to heaven. I think maybe some of this stuff we're going to be surprised about how it was. 
I've heard people explain heaven as being just right there. That it's, it, Maybe it is, you know. Have you ever been in the room of someone when they passed away? It, it seems like heaven. I, I've been there. I, I've been there too many times. And, and, and I think about heaven. It seems like heaven is right there when a saint of God goes. It's like, it, it's just how it is to me. I'm like, man, heaven must be right there. I don't understand all the dynamics of it. But what I do know is that Jesus thinks about me right now. One of these days we're going to know the answers. But let's not get lost in that. Let's get lost in the thought that Jesus is the founder. That Jesus is the author. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He meant that. He's the only way. He's the only truth. And in him is the only life that really matters. It's the only life that really matters. So simply put, guys, if, if we want to know how to run this life that God's placed before us, we have to live it by faith. We have to put our focus upon Jesus. We have to put our focus upon Him. One of the things I find out that when I'm running, running for me, somebody told me, okay, you're going to run that marathon last year, and you're either going to hate it or you're going to love it. And I actually ended up liking it. I hate some parts of it, but I, I actually liked it, you know. It's, and it was, I think for me, I, I, need, I need this in my life because it, there's a focus involved in running. If you're not focusing on, on, on the run itself, I, mean, I know people say don't think about running when you're running, but it, makes me, it helps me to focus on other things, though, too. I mean, sure, you, when you're training or whenever, you, you, you've got to focus on it. You've got to make time. You have to be considerate of, what you put in your body as far as food goes. Things like that, right? But, w- but when you're running and, and when you're training for running, it, you're throwing off a lot of stuff that normally would just be holding you back and, and not making it possible for you to run. But when I'm running, I, I think about my God. I think about who He is. I, <laughs> I'm often crying out for help. <laughs> my whole body cries out, God, help us. But it really does put you in a position to understand of how much you need that. And really, the Christian life is not to be lived in a, at a leisurely stroll. You need to be enduring. You need to be enduring. When I, when I ran my first marathon, I was like, this is crazy. I cried the morning of. I was scared to death. Joni was crying with me. I was like, she's like, why are you crying? I was like, I don't know. I'm going to die today. That's why I'm crying. <laughs> But, you know, once you hit big mile markers in your life, the next ones don't seem so big. I signed up for the next one. I hope they have it. I hope this whole corona thing doesn't mess it up. I really don't want to run a virtual run. I don't even know what that means. I'm just going to run 26.2 miles in here. I don't know. I don't, I don't, I don't, we'll figure it out. But, but, you know, when you hit those big mile markers, the next ones don't seem so big. It's true. Spiritually speaking, I think it's, it's the same. That whenever we put ourselves out there, we, we run with endurance. We throw off the stuff that doesn't need to be there. And we run these big races that God set before us. The next one doesn't seem to matter. Those of you who have worked Awanas over the years, it just kind of seems to get easier, doesn't it? And I don't mean easier like we're lazy now. It's just like, wow, that, okay, we know, like we have experience. We know God's going to provide. There's going to be kids show up. There's going to be workers. We don't have to worry about it. I mean, that's like an example that, that we all can experience here at, at First Baptist. But the thing is, is whatever God has placed before us, whatever he's given before us, that what we're going through right now is building us up to run those races. 
So in the meantime, if, if you hadn't began that next big race that God's put you on, throw aside the stuff that doesn't matter. Throw it aside. Be prepared for the next race that God has for you. And run with endurance, this idea of patient endurance, this idea of mastering the things that will master you if you don't. Make the concerted effort to say, God, I need you to help me with this. If it's a, if it's a sin, if it's an ideology, if it's, a, if it's thoughts, if it's an addiction, whatever it is that you're going through, give it to God. Throw it to the side and run with a sense of mastery with whatever you do. To kind of wrap this up this morning, uh, Acts 20, starting in verse 24 there. Paul is, is writing to this church, and, and these people had ideas of this, that, or the other. They, they, um, they, they had issues just like you and I have issues. But basically in Acts 20, 24, he, he's telling the people that, you know, I run this race for this reason. And the reason that he gives there is that he may proclaim the gospel of God. He may proclaim the gospel to wh- wherever he goes. You and I, our goal in life is to proclaim the gospel, to live the gospel. There's no other message that we really proclaim. We get lost in politics. We get lost in, in, in uh, belief systems of the world. We get lost in, in political stuff. The thing is, we need to understand that we need to get lost in Jesus we need to get lost in the truth of who he is. We need to get lost in, in the fact that, that the reason that we are where we are right now is to give glory to God. And the way that we run this patiently endured race is by faith in him, by considering him, by considering who Christ is. Today, if there's stuff holding you back, you need to shed it. You need to get rid of it. The greatest thing about camps the greatest thing about these times that we have just to get away is, is, um, is that we're, we're shedding everything that's getting in the way normally. I had, I had one, one kid come up to me. <laughs> He's like, Daniel, he said, your sermon tonight was like so good. And I was like, okay, thanks, man. I appreciate it. He said, no. He says, it's like you really took time to explain it. <laughs> you went word by word, verse by verse. And I was like, okay, I always do that, right? You guys know that. We just spent like 15 years in, in, in Hebrews chapter 11. <clears throat> and I was like, I said, well, I said, I'm glad that you got that tonight. I said, but just think about this for a moment. I said, do you think maybe for a moment it's just because you were listening? And he was like, he's like, what do you mean? I said, well, that's normally how I preach. I said, I, I, maybe tonight I was better at it. I, it's true. I, maybe I was. Maybe I was more focused. Or I'm not perfect. But I said, maybe tonight you were just listening. Maybe tonight you had laid aside the stuff that usually gets in your way when the sermon's being preached. Because you guys know how it is. You're doing it right now. Some of you are thinking about lunch. Now everybody's thinking about lunch. Some of you are thinking about work tomorrow. So, some of you are thinking about that special other person in your life. Or you're thinking about a number of things. You see, I think a lot of times we, we overload our lives with stuff. I, I think even our, our kids this day and age, and I sound like a really old man right now, but I, I just see it that... You know, a lot of the young people, just because of the way social media, which is good, and there's, it's cool to be connected, but everything's so fast-paced. It's hard to focus on one thing. Guys, we have to learn to focus on one thing, and that one thing is Christ Jesus. The only thing that matters. Let's pray. Lord, I love you. Thank you for your word.
Thank you for who you are today in this place, God. I praise you for salvations that have happened through your ministry here at First Baptist this week. I thank you for those two that said, uh, I'm a believer, but I, I've just not been stepping up. Thank you for the one who decided to follow you faithfully in baptism this morning. Lord, I thank you for those here in this place that said, I'm going to try, I'm going to do better, I'm going I'm to live by faith, I'm going to consider Jesus. I'm going to consider who he is in my life. I'm going to consider what it means to follow him. I'm going to find these things in my life that don't need to be there, and I'm going to, I'm going to throw them to the wayside so that I can run with mastery. God, help us to run with mastery today. And not for our glory, but for yours. God, if there be someone here, or someone listening, who's never accepted you as their Lord and Savior, Lord, we are all sinners. But Lord, we know that sin kills us. So Lord, we look to you, the author and perfecter of our faith, to forgive us. Lord, your Bible teaches us if we believe in our heart and we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, we will be saved. God, would you call people to repentance today? In your son's most holy name, amen.